Welcome to Be Alive, the podcast produced by the Young Adult Ministry of the Diocese of St. Augustine. Join us for compelling conversations with young people as they share their stories of faith, prayer, community, and their journey to sainthood. Be engaged. Be inspired. Be empowered. Be alive. Hi, Father Bob. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Caitlin. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How's parish life? It's busy as always. Way too many projects, as people here see. We've done an awful lot. I'm looking forward to them all being done. I'm sure. I can yes. relate. We're in the midst of camps right now for youth ministry. So every other week we're out of town. It's yes. busy, but it's a good kind of busy. Well, this is going to be a great show that I'm looking forward to quite a bit. A topic that we'll get to discuss with a guest that you know is very important to all of us here at Epiphany. So we look forward to having her. Um, we've got Mary Alice Clank with us. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yes. So Mary Alice and her family are well known to our parish out here. And the story that she's going to share with us today is somewhat well known to the people out here. I'm sure she'll share with us some things maybe that we haven't heard. Thank you again for joining us. Of course. Thanks again for having me. Well, Mary Alice, do you want to tell us a little bit about growing up just to give us a little context? Yeah, absolutely. So I am the youngest of three kids. When I was growing up, I went to a kindergarten to eighth grade school, Epiphany. My mom worked there. When I first started, she was teaching math and reading to middle school children. But then later on in my years, she became the principal. I think it becomes a problem for people who get in trouble. That wasn't necessarily me. I think that's also a result of her being principal. I chose not to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty much the story of me growing up. I think my childhood was great, very normal, like anyone else. What was, what was faith like for you growing up? Well, I went to a Catholic school, so I took religion class every day. We went to church every weekend. Faith was a big part of my life. It's a big part of my parents' lives, so they made sure it was part of our lives. And I think we grew up with a really good foundation, knowing why we were faithful and also having the freedom to grow in our individual faith. It didn't feel like it was necessarily pushed upon us, which is nice. I think that at different points in everyone's lives, they take for granted their faith and I'm no different in that, but I think when I was younger, I was very strong in my faith, having a lot of people around me who felt the same way. It's only in my later years that I've had to find my own way in my faith. Yeah, absolutely. So I see here that you are a very good softball player. Can you share a little bit about that and like what softball was for you growing up? Yeah, I started softball, I think, when I was in the third grade, and I started playing competitive softball when I was around 11. Mm. Softball was sort of a safe place for me in the sense that it helped me learn how to get along with others, work well with others, and it also was a good way to learn good behavior and also learn that you don't necessarily always do your best or always win, but there's always something to learn from that. You're not losing your learning. Right. And so I stuck with competitive softball for about seven or so years. 
I was on a team that got a lot of people into college softball. It wasn't what I wanted for college. So I stopped right about my senior year of high school, but I was very active on my team for those seven years. They were basically my family and all of those parents were my parents as well. Mm. Quite a bit of travel too. Yeah, a lot of travel, but my parents were really supportive. My dad was always with me. He loved going and we were sort of our own little team and he would help me reflect on the games. A lot of kids do activities like that. I think mm. I was lucky that my parents were so supportive of it. You know, I think it was hard on them to have me going so many different places every weekend. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, especially with two other kids. So my mom was more focused on helping them and my dad was with me. But I think as a family, we did really well. That's awesome. So let's flash forward to, I guess, 2020 or would it have been the end of 2019, beginning of 2020? you started having some issues with your health? Yeah. So growing up, I was perfectly healthy. I had no issues, nothing minor or major. All through college, I was healthy. I didn't have any issues then either. But then in 2020, before I had finished up college, I started having heart palpitations as well as like increased heart rate for short periods. And it felt very wrong to me. Mm -hmm. um, but I couldn't necessarily describe it because it's not something that I had had before. And so I approached my general physicians to see if they had any suggestions, but with my inability to describe it and their lack mm -hmm. of seeing it, they felt like potentially it was something normal. It was something that would go away. Mm -hmm. However, it did not. And so by March of 2020, I had been admitted to the hospital for this condition, which was found out to be myocarditis. And myocarditis mm -hmm. is basically inflammation around the heart of the heart muscle. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, the majority of cases, myocarditis is reversible and can be treated with medication. So the cardiologist that I had originally seen recognizes myocarditis and put me on these medications and put me through what they assumed would reverse the problems that I was having. However, unfortunately, it did not do that. And throughout the summer of 2020, I continued to get worse. And by August, my doctors had realized that what we were doing was not working. And near the end of August, I was admitted to the hospital for the last time, and I was in critical heart failure. And about six days later, I received a heart transplant. When they took out my original heart, they did a biopsy on it, and they realized that the type of myocarditis I had is called giant cell myocarditis, which almost always results in transplant because it's not reversible like the other kinds. But for the entirety of 2020, when I was going through these issues, I recognized that I was getting worse, and my doctors kept believing that I would get better. And so it was a constant battle of me telling them and them telling me, and sort of this circular motion where it's hard to say what exactly was going through their minds, but in the end, it turned out all right, and I'm doing great since then. How do you think that whole experience influenced your faith? Because that's a life or death situation that you yeah. experienced. I can only imagine how God entered into your life and what your faith looked like for you. Well, during the initial stages of my heart difficulties, I started praying more, getting more active in the church, just sort of seeking out 
God in ways that I had before, but not nearly as regularly. As I was deteriorating, I almost felt more and more helpless, which is a moment in which people tend to return to their faith and seek help from God. I think that I sought out my faith most in the last few days before I got my heart transplant. I don't remember much of those days because I deteriorated very quickly, but I remember the prayers I was asking. They stopped being for me and they started being for the people around me. In realizing that I was close to death, I asked God to take care of the people around me and make sure that they could get through it if I didn't make it. And I think that's a very humbling experience, especially growing up. Um, like in a Catholic school, it's easy to learn about religion and learn that we're all part of God's plan. And at the end of the day, that plan may not be known to us. But when you're literally like on the edge of death, you start to realize that, you know, there's nothing left you can do. You really are entirely in the hands of God. And I think that it's hard to describe that to people. But I think since then, I've been a lot more aware of that. And I tend to put my life and my fate in God's hands more. I think that I let things go easier and I accept that things happen for a reason and it's very beautiful. I think that my experience has really changed my life overall, but definitely my faith life. I don't have any doubts anymore. I am very strengthened in my love and belief and trust of God. And I think that all mm -hmm. of that happened through this experience. And I don't think I'm the only one. I think people in my life have also felt that way. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they can't help but be impacted having walked alongside you through that and being a firsthand witness to what you experienced, you know, aside from what was going on with you interiorly and physically. But no, that was really beautiful. And I love how you shared how when you realized you were, you know, going to have your transplant and things, your prayers went from like praying for yourself and for your situation to praying for those around you. Even in like your moment of desperation, you were thinking about those who love you and thinking about your family and like praying for God to give them the strength. And I just find that very beautiful, very, yeah, saint-like, you know, we hear that in a lot of um, stories about saints who have been through similar experiences, close to death experiences. Yeah. And I, I think there's going to be other people listening to this that will be inspired, you know, by your story and, mm -hmm. and will reach out in their faith to God in the way that you did, knowing, knowing that how that helped you and knowing that you were able to do that, that'll give them some courage and some strength to be able to do that themselves. Yeah, we never know how, but God is going to somehow manage to impact people and bring a lot of good out of this thing. Now, one of the things that I guess the dynamic of having to go through all this is one thing, but the dynamic of having to go through all this with COVID floating around was something else. You know, not only were you having to go through this, but your visitors were significantly limited, right? Who was able to be there in the hospital when it first happened, right? It was your mom. That was there. Yeah, the hospital where I had my transplant, it has four buildings, but the pediatric building is the hospital that you stay in prior to and a little while after your transplant, and then you get transported across the street to a separate hospital. The pediatric hospital lets you have two visitors, and that's because obviously children, they want both parents to be able to see them. Mm -hmm. So originally, both my mom and my dad could visit me. But then after my transplant, when I was transported across the street, 
only my mom was allowed to stay with me and we ended up being there for a total of 36 days oh so she spent basically 30 days with me just her mm-hmm. i think it took a lot out of her but i'm so grateful that she was able to stay there with me all that time because i really did need her i think it would have been nice for everyone to have been able to visit me it would have been a lot for me in recovery to have to interact with all of those people but I know it would have taken a lot off of my mom's shoulders if other people could have come in and help. But in some ways, it was nice that my situation happened right at the beginning of COVID because while the rest of the people around me were missing out on things because of COVID, I was also missing out on things because of other reasons. So we sort of met back up at the end of it. Not that COVID is over, but at the end of my situation. So in some ways, it felt like the world kind of stopped with me, which is nice because I think people miss out on a lot when they're in situations like this. Now you also, I know your dad came in at, at one point to be there with you and, and you have a certain young man that spent a considerable amount of time there at your side. Yeah. Um, so my dad stayed with me at the rehab facility I went to after my hospital stay. Mm-hmm. And uh, before any of this happened, before I had any health issues, I was dating a man and he stayed with me throughout all of this. He's been great. We're still together now. We're actually engaged. We're looking to get married in January. We're very excited, but he's been great through all of this because I needed a lot of help, especially after I got out of the hospital and he really has been a godsend, honestly. Yeah. The visitation was very restricted and we scrambled to get Father Augustine to come visit you and he remarked on your faith. And he remarked on Adam's being by your side through all that. He was impressed with both of those. I appreciate that. Yeah, we've been through the ringer. Um, We're definitely more mature because of it. We feel like we've lived an entire life, you know, and we're only 24 each. So (laughs) we're more than ready to take that next step and be married and, and start our beautiful family life together. And I could never thank him enough for what he has done, honestly. You have a a new cause that you've embraced, I guess, as a result of this experience. Yeah, absolutely. So since my transplant, my mom and I both have been very involved in trying to bring awareness to organ donation in life and in death, because in both cases, you can save lives and change countless others. We've been very active in trying to spread the awareness and let people know how advanced modern medicine is and how many people truly can be saved. In a moment of tragedy in which a loved one may have passed, a lot of people don't necessarily think about organ donation. And so we're trying to spread awareness so that if families come to be in a situation like that, they may take the steps to let their loved one's last act be to save countless others. So that's what we've been doing since my transplant a year and a half ago. That's awesome. I guess even the school here has gotten a little involved in that. Yes. So we've worked with the students to make art pieces and videos to sort of spread organ donation awareness. We've made videos ourselves and posted those on the school Facebook page. I know that they've also done activities, donation days, just to teach the kids about it. And I think they will continue to do that next year and the years ahead of that. Mm-hmm. And so all of that is very amazing to see. As someone who has been on the receiving end, I can't imagine ever not spreading that awareness. Yeah, that's great. 
Mary Alice, what would your advice be to people who are either firsthand experiencing something similar to what you went through, or for people who might be walking alongside somebody who is going through a critical illness or getting treatment or potentially having an organ transplant? What would your advice be for anybody who might be going through something like that? My biggest piece of advice would definitely be to lean on the people around you, whether you're the person going through treatment or, or the people around them. I know that in these situations, it's easy to internalize emotions and things like that. But in reality, it's so much more freeing to let those around you take part in what you're going through and help them to understand how you're feeling especially if you're the person going through treatment because the people around you, while they're going through something similar in being around you, there's no way they can fully understand exactly what you're going through and how you're feeling. So definitely right. try and communicate that to them so that they can help you. And in turn, in telling them how you're feeling, you help them. They also are aware that while they're in the situation, it's different. Mm -hmm. So I would say stick to the people around you Make sure that you communicate with them so that you and them feel better. And also just focus on faith. I think that in communicating freely with God, you know, whether you're alone, whether you do it with the people around you, I think that there's some advantage to feeling a direct connection with God. And in these moments, you'll need to have that connection to understand, because I think a lot of people who are going through things like this, they start to feel like, why is this happening to me? And, right. and you know, they mm -hmm. may tend to close themselves off. But if you just reach out and you keep your mind open, I think that there's there's a lot to, to understand. And, and if you open yourself to God, you will start to feel more full and you'll feel his love and it will help you in the long run. So those are my big two points. Stick to your faith and also... Stay close to the people around you because they're the biggest help you'll have through this. How do you think you've changed after going through this experience? Like, how are you a different person now, obviously, besides having a new heart? I think my personality has changed a lot. I think I take life in differently. I focus on what's really important to me and the connections around me. I think people are really what keep you going. Mm -hmm. And this experience has shown me that. And so I focus more on my relationships with friends and family, and I give up the small things in life and just sort of let them go instead yeah. of jumping to anger, which I may have done before and things like that. I'm a lot more active in my faith. I pray regularly in understanding now that I'm a part of God's plan and that things happen to me for a reason. Things happen to all of us for a reason. It goes to what I was saying, where I can let small things go more easily and just focus on what's really important. For sure. Yeah. Once you've been through some bigger obstacles, I feel like the little things don't seem to bother you as much as they did before. So Mary Alice, we ask each of our guests to give a challenge to our listeners. And I was wondering in what way you would like to challenge our listeners today. I would love to challenge them to go to donatelife.net and just read up on how organ donation saves lives. And it also gives you a link to sign up for organ donation if that's what you're interested in and just look around and explore and get a better handle on what organ donation really looks like to both the people who donate and the people who receive. Yes, thank you. 
So do we want to close in prayer? Yes. Father Bob, would you like to lead us? Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, as always, we give thanks for all that you give us, for all the many gifts and blessings that you have bestowed upon us. We give you thanks for the gift of this life that we have, and that we might live it to the fullest in the way that is according to your will. We give you thanks for the promise of eternal life to come and for all that we have to look forward to. We give you thanks for the gift of the saints, those cloud of witnesses who can be our guides in this life, that we might live this life ever better. But we also give thanks for the gift of those witnesses that we encounter in this life, the witnesses that we live alongside that help to show us what living the faith really and truly looks like. We ask you to help us to be better witnesses ourselves in how we live our own lives, that we all uh, might come to a greater relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you, Mary Alice. Thank yes. you for giving me this opportunity. No, it was so great to finally have you on. I know we've been trying to make it happen. So it was really great to have you on and to hear your story. And we will look forward to these next uh, days and months and, and most especially to the big day that's coming up soon for both of you and for Adam. Yes, thank you. Very excited. And thank you to all of our listeners. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Be Alive. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to leave a review or share with a friend. Also, make sure to follow the Diocese of St. Augustine on all social media platforms to hear about the wonderful things happening in our community.